0: Good morning, everyone, from the Bradley-based in WEGL studio. I'm Alex Houston with you here for the Monday edition of Compact Discourse. Concourse, Dispact, whatever you want to call it. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrated over the weekend. Happy Black Friday, I suppose, as well to those who celebrated by running over someone at Best Buy. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com if you're listening not from inside the Auburn-Opelika area. And here we are in the Harold Melton Student Center. Final two weeks of school are upon us. For those students that are listening to me, we've almost made it. Just got to go a little bit longer to make it through and get to winter break, which I am so excited for. Plus, I'm wearing a Christmas sweater. The holiday season has begun. It's okay now. You're allowed to listen to Christmas music if you'd like. No judgment here. Now, there was judgment before. But now, no judgment. No judgment at all, everybody. And as you always know, excuse me, if you are listening to this Monday episode and have listened to Monday episodes in the past, this is our sports edition of Compact Discourse. Obviously, one of our big things and big ideas this year was to have different hosts each day to try and give a different flavor to each episode of Compact Discourse. And also, you know, take the toll off of somebody having to get up four days in a row at 7 in the morning. I certainly wouldn't want to do it. I certainly don't plan on doing it. Mondays is just fine for me. And as I said with sports... My oh my does Auburn always give us a lot to talk about. Message boards, Twitter spaces, Twitter fights, what have you. Everybody's been talking about what's been happening between the Iron Bowl and Cadillac's possibly final game as the interim head coach. Then again, there's a chance Auburn makes to a bowl game. That's all still up in the air, one way or the other. And then the Hugh Freeze discussion, Auburn basketball has certainly given me and my co-host on Through the Lens, Davis Carroll, a lot to talk about, and I'll certainly be talking about that later. But ladies and gentlemen, as I have said many times before on this show, for those who have listened, forget about Auburn football for a moment. Heck, forget about Auburn basketball for a moment. Let's talk about Auburn volleyball. Truly an incredible resurgence in three years from head coach Brent Crouch, and now the Tigers are going to the NCAA tournament for the second time in program history. Not the fifth time, not the sixth time, not even the third time, the second time in program history, and the first time since 2010. Auburn volleyball head coach Brent Crouch has got his team in the NCAA tournament in his third year. After a season where they uh, his the season before Crouch arrived, they only won one game in the SEC. It was one of the worst years in Auburn volleyball history. Then they go winless and can't even field a team in the spring version of the season during the COVID year. Then last year, they hovered just below five hundred in their non conference play and go about five and thirteen, I believe it was, in the uh, SEC conference play. And then this year they go ten and eight in conference play and are heading to the NCAA tournament to take on Creighton in Omaha, and I just want to read to you, for those who didn't see it, for those who did not read the stories on it, some of the quotes from each of the players, because Thomas Hoppen, who's the SID for Auburn Volleyball, put together a nice little piece that he published and got the quotes from all of them, and I'm just going to read these out in full because I think it's important to understand a lot of things, and I'll certainly talk about this more after I read these quotes, about where exactly Auburn Volleyball expected to be Right now versus where they are right now. So let's talk about that. Head coach Brent Crouch on that selection. Quote, the selection means we're on track. This is my third year here, and this is what we were aiming for this year or next year. And to get it on the front end in year three with this freshman class that I recruited three months after getting hired is special. It means we're on track, and it means there are good things in store for us this year and for years to come. Let's take a moment to talk about that for for a second only. This team is one of the youngest teams in volleyball in the SEC and certainly across the nation. A lot of people may look at this schedule because they haven't been tuning into volleyball as much and say, oh, well, things can't be good for their prospects in the tournament because they got swept by Arkansas over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, I broadcasted that game on Friday. I didn't broadcast the game on Saturday. I had to broadcast the game on Friday. And if you listened and you tuned in, you heard me talk about how many graduates and seniors were on that team, none other than Tatum Shepts, a former Auburn player herself versus a class of mostly freshmen, along with a transfer in Chelsea Harmon and a junior in Jackie Barrett, but primarily a freshman class, Madison Shear, Kasha Anderson, Kendall Kemp among them. And for that team, really I've talked to Coach Crosh before during the regular season. He once even told me how much it was good for this team to experience a loss as young as they are. it's Every experience is an experience for this team, and a good one at that. Every experience is a good thing. There is a learning opportunity in every single match that this team is going to play this year, regardless of the outcome, because of the fact that they are so young. And let's keep going. On the matchup with Creighton, Coach Crouch said this, and we'll talk about this as well. They're an excellent team, extremely well coached. They've been in the tournament for years as an establishment program. They're going to be confident and they're going to be calm. They're going to have a great crowd. Just one of the great environments to play in, and I know it'll be a packed house. I like our chances to compete at a high level. Again, experience on top of experience on top of experience against a great volleyball team in Creighton. Auburn very well might get swept by Creighton, and that might be it. It might be a one-and-done year at the tournament. But as Coach Crouch said, this, and he said it on the air, he, he said in my interview, this is well beyond where the coaching staff and where the program, where they all thought the program would be. They expected this, and I talked about the non-conference schedule because one thing that hurt Auburn, at least in the RPI rankings, was their very weak non-conference schedule. He, talk, he talked about that at length. It's just, it's just the fact that they, they, they did not have as tough a non-conference schedule as a lot of teams. They didn't play a ranked opponent in non-conference. And he even told me as much that that, was, that, that had a lot to do with the fact that he wanted this freshman class to just get some matches under their belt. Get some, get some nice wins under the He didn't want to throw them out to the Wolves to start their careers. And again, this team is m- much farther than anybody thought they were. And assuming no one transfers, no major contributor, they're not going to lose anybody. They're going to have two, two people who were returning as seniors, Jackie Barrett and Chelsea Harmon. And then a bunch of freshmen. Kendall Kemp has already set the block record, ladies and gentlemen. She has set the program block record in a single season as a freshman. She's obviously probably going to set the program record for career blocks at this point. I can't imagine that she's not on pace for that. I can't imagine that she won't break that, honestly, by her third year, not even by her fourth year. And speaking of Kemp, she had this to say, It just means the world to go out there with my best friends playing the game we love. We've got one more shot to end on a high note for our freshman season, and I'm really excited. And then lastly, Sort of the offensive explosion that Auburn has had has come really, primarily from Akasha Anderson with kills as the freshman outside hitter. She said this to say, quote, I remember thinking about it two years ago before I committed and being like, that's so far away. This is crazy. It's all going into, into action, especially it's happening in our freshman year. It's been a historic season already, but to also make the tournament, I'm going to be able to look back at my freshman year and it's going to be really cool. Again, guys, this is just a team that's so excited for the chance to be in the tournament. And yes, they very well might get swept by Creighton. Do I think this team has a chance? I think this team has a chance to beat anybody because I think they play together as as seen by anything that I just read off. I think they've got a great coach, and I think they've got a bright future ahead of them. Even if this season does not pan out like everybody would want it to, if it ends on the low note and not on the high note. Gosh, the excitement for next year, truly. The excitement for this incredibly young team that is going to – have a chance to grow in another off season. Have a chance to learn and adapt to one year in college in college volleyball. Truly, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of excitement, and there should be a lot of excitement in Neville Arena come next August, regardless of what happens this year. And even though I'll be graduating, I may have to come back for a match or two. Who knows? It's just a lot of ex- a lot of excitement around Auburn for this, and there should be. Because Auburn's got a great coach and head coach Brent Crouch. Alan Green may have not done a lot of things right, depending on who you ask. But he hired Brent Crouch, and that is, looks like a home run hire already. And again, it is only year three, and who knows what can happen. But the fact that the rebuilding process is, I mean, they went from a, lose, a, a winless season to a just under 500 season to a winning season like that. It's just it really it really is a testament to Coach Crouch to his entire staff and to these players too because they have fought through a lot of adversity. It's just being the younger team out there. They really have, and it's been incredible. And Auburn volleyball posted a great video of their reaction, the shock, the celebration. If you haven't seen that, you can find that on Auburn volleyball Twitter if you want to go look at that. But Auburn volleyball made the NCAA tournament, and I think you know we here and we getting a chance to cover them are really, really happy for that team because I know how excited they all were. And again, just a lot of excitement going on around Auburn Volleyball, as there should be, and a lot more to come. Speaking of Neville Arena, let's keep it right there because I don't want to get into my Hugh Freeze stuff during the commercial break and get cut off in the commercial break. We'll come back and talk about that because there's a lot to talk about, obviously. Let's talk about Auburn basketball. They get that big win over St. Louis. They look dead in the water like they always do, seemingly. And then the last po- possible second, they just pull it out of a hat and get the win. And it's just Auburn basketball. I mean, they were down, what is it, 58-53. They hadn't hit a shot. Then they made five of their last six, went on a 12-2 run, and won the game. As as da- as my friend Davis Carroll, and you, you all know Davis if you listen to Are You With That or listen to previous compact discourse, he texted me and said, it happens the same time they... They look terrible, they look lifeless on offense, and they look like god killers in the final minute. That's honestly as good as good of a way to describe it as any, truthfully, with the way that um, just this team has played in the previous years that I've been here. And I hate to say it, especially after the Northwestern game, because after the Northwestern game, there was a lot of discourse about overreacting oh my gosh you guys are overreacting because auburn just played really bad on offense auburn scored 43 points they shot horribly from all areas truly and a lot of people like oh my gosh you guys are overreacting after one game um to those people that said that i was overreacting or anybody that was concerned about this offense is overreacting i i want to pose a question to everybody have you guys been watching auburn basketball for the last four or five years four years let's say four years because let's just look at Auburn post the final four year, right? Let, let's go ahead and do that. In fact, I'm going to pull up these stats right now. It's going to take me a second because I use uh, college basketball reference, which is a great site, but it does go a little slow sometimes. So let's go to the final four year, everybody. So obviously the final four year, Auburn was third and three-pointers made, fourth and three-pointers attempted, and 30 se- or 36th and three-point percentage which is pretty solid, and overall, they were, let's see, overall shooting percentage, they were only 141st, but still, they scored some points, and they were 34th in the country in points in points per game, alright, so remember that, 3rd, 4th, 36th, then the next season, this is the first year without the majority of that core, Anthony Macklemore returned, but primarily, that was a, a whole new team with Samir Doughty, Javon McCormick, Isaac Okoro, all taking the lead there. D'Angelo Purefoy, Austin Wiley, Anthony McLemore, all returning. And then, of course, freshman Devin Cambridge, freshman Alan Flanagan, freshman Jalen Williams, freshman Babatunde Akingbola. So that year, right, Auburn is 25th in points per game. They're 200th in field goal percentage, a lot better at the paint. But at the three-point line, they were 83rd in three-pointers made, 30th and three-pointers attempted, and 309th in three-point percentage at 30%, okay? And let's go to the COVID year, right? Auburn's offense, 45th in points per game, still pretty good at the paint. Inside the three-point line, they're 64%, or 64th in the country, 195th in field goal percentage. And at the three-point line, 37th in three-pointers made, 16th in three-pointers attempted, and 231st in three-point percentage. Then let's go to last year, right? Last year, the defense was a lot better, a lot stronger. It carried it through games, and it needed to because, again, the offense was 24th in points per game, but they were 210th in field goal percentage, 114th in three-pointers made, 49th in three-pointers attempted, and 274th in three-point percentage, right? And then this year, more the same, Auburn is, except, except of course, Auburn does not have as high of a points per game because of that Northwestern game. Auburn is 295th in field goal percentage. They are 302nd in three-pointers made, but 181st in three-pointers attempted, and 349th in three-point percentage at 26.6%. I'll just leave that with you as we got to take a short psa break you will listen to compact discourse on weagle 91.1 fm and weaglefm.com i'll be back to keep talking about auburn volleyball or auburn basketball excuse me and discussing exactly what has gone wrong with the offense and what will fix it here on weagle 91.1 fm Back here live inside the Bradley Bays of WEGL Studio. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. I got to say, I got to get some comebacks that like match the vibe because this is like very chill. And here I am yelling on my soapbox about Auburn basketball and Auburn football till I'm blue in the face. But hey, you know, just trying to have some fun on here on the airwaves. And again, let's talk about Auburn basketball. So you heard all those numbers. The offense has drastically fallen apart. And everybody will say, "The guys, this has always been the system, right? The the very stagnant, isolation-based, two guys are going to be moving while the other three guys are just going to sit there kind of offense. And, yeah, that's true. That is what got Auburn to the Final Four because it had some stone-cold killers in Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. That that's And even Malik Dunbar was hitting it. And, I mean, I'll say this. That was probably the perfect Auburn roster for Bruce Pearl, minus a better big man. Austin Wiley and Anthony Macklemore were good, but a like a, I think Auburn thrives with a Jani Broom, Walker Kessler type on the defensive end, and they didn't have that that year. But thankfully, their offense made up for it because they were a stack to the brim with offensive talent, and everybody was hitting shots during that, that run, that miraculous run to the Final Four. And yes, that, that has been the system. But when the offense is being bad for four consecutive years, it is time to figure it out. You know, 2019, sure, you lose your primary scores, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, you lose Malik Dunbar, you lose chumokiki. Kiki. There's, there's some benefit of the doubt that they're going to try and figure it out. And then 20, the COVID year, same thing. Exact same thing, in my opinion. Yeah, you can get some benefit of the doubt there because there was even more turnover roster-wise that year than there was any other year beforehand. Freshman Alan Flanagan, one who was just a freshman playing limited minutes my freshman year, was then the sophomore leading scorer, along with the Sharif Cooper debacle of whatever the heck the NCAA was looking for and didn't find. And then you go to last year, okay, sure, Wendell Green, Zep Jasper, Katie Johnson, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, all the same. Alan Flanagan goes down with an injury. Or all, all new people, right? All 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 the same experiences, all being new. You know, Walker yeah, again, uh Alan Flanagan goes down with an injury, Devin Cambridge not playing as well as he was his freshman year, whatever. Maybe you can give each of those teams the benefit of the doubt this way or that way or whatever. But this team right now this year, to be as bad as they are on the offensive end, there, there is little justification around it, truly. Th- th- there is not. This is not a new team. Its new additions are Yohan Traor, right, Jani Broom, okay, Chance Westry. Pr- those, are, those are your primary new Trey Donaldson. And those four guys outside of Broom do not play that much. This is an offense that's being run by Zepp Jasper, Wendell Green, Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Chris Moore, who's been here forever, seems like. right? It's being run, and Dylan Cardwell. That's six guys that are returning, and most of them who are still primary factors in the lineup. It's not like Auburn is sending out Yoan Traer and Jani Broom to run the offense. New guys there, or Trey Donaldson, it's not, or Chance Westry. It's, it, it is... Even with Auburn's top guys, they're still scoring 43 points against Northwestern. Northwestern's a good defensive team. They're not that good. Everyone's like, oh, this is so shocking. Like Auburn didn't score 47 points against Florida in a freshman year game. My freshman year. They did. They lost 69-47 to at the Swamp, or whatever they called their basketball arena at Gainesville. And there is not much of an excuse or justification for how bad the offense is. And everybody's saying you're reacting or they always start this slow or whatever. The problem is, and I hate to say it, the problem is system. It is systematic. It is scheme. It is not that Auburn just has people who can't shoot the basketball. It is that the system that they are running does not work for this group. Really watch any other game, and you will see so much more movement on the offensive end, and again, this is, not, this is not a complete tearing through of the Auburn coaching staff because they have built a defense that is top tier, just like last year. And, and, and that, that, that is a good point. Within the last three out of the last four years, the defense has been excellent. The 2019-2020 team coming off the Final Four year was so good on the defensive end, led primarily by Isaac and even with Austin Wiley and Anthony Mclemore in the middle, still very, very good. Last year's team, incredible on the defensive end. This year's team... Really, really good on the defensive end. They beat St. Louis yesterday because they held St. Louis to 60 points and held him to abysmal shooting. They've done that to every opponent. In fact, let's look at that team actually right now. I want to see what what where their opponent field goal percentage ranks overall because I'm very curious as to how how good they've been on that and where where that stat ranks. They're 7-0 in the SEC, so let's see. Um. Doesn't appear. Okay. So. Opponent field goal percentage is four thirteen. Um. Okay. It doesn't seem to be opponent stats listed. Can I get defensive stats, please? Okay. I don't know why this is hard to find. Like, I'd like. I'd like to see points allowed. Okay. well That's not. <sighs> okay. Unfortunately, it doesn't appear that I'm going to be getting um. Such numbers, I don't really know why. Oh, wait, here it is. Okay, so, opponent field goal percentage, they're holding teams to 360, which is the 16th best mark for a defense in the country. They're holding them to 56.9 points, which is the 17th best mark for defenses, at, for a defense in the country. Holding them to 237 at the three-point line, which is the 8th best, and only f- 4.6 made threes, which is 11th best. Free throw percentages even, which is partly probably blown up by St. Louis' abysmal... They shot 29% on the free throw line last, last night, which is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. They're holding free throws 8th eight, best in, in the nation at 57.4%. Okay, so the defense is good. Yes. There, there is that, of that, there is no doubt, and there, there will not be any doubt because of how good they are athletically and also how well-coached they are on the defensive end. They play with such tenacity on defense. That is... Partly just because that's how some of these players are. That's how Katie Johnson is, right? But they're also coached very well in the defensive end. But offensively, it, it is bordering on a scheme failure on offense. It is the same problem that existed three years ago. That existed in the year following the Final Four season. 2019-2020 season. That was the year that, 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 that it really started. Because they lost Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. They lost two of the best three-point shooters this program has ever seen, and they did not find a way to replace them. They are still running that offense. Katie Johnson is taking threes. Wendell Greener is taking threes like they're Jared Harper and Bryce Brown sometimes. And it is not working. Auburn is shooting 26.6% from a three. That is 349th in the country. 349th. I don't even know how many teams there are in college basketball, but that's got to be close to the bottom. Okay? That has to be. Wendell Green is probably, I mean, looking at it right now, he is one of Auburn's best three-point shooters, and he's hitting 33%. Katie Johnson is shooting the second most threes on the team with four a game, and he is shooting 25%. This problem has persisted for as long as I can remember, and it's going to continue to be a problem until the offense is able to adapt, and that starts with changes by the coaching staff. It's not been, you know, it's not been, oh, well, we, we've we run this system for a bunch of guys that have been here since their freshman year. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that is an understandable thing. How do you change the system in year four for guys who've been running the same system year one through three? But Auburn has had plenty of chances because the team is – With college basketball, there's so much turnover, and Auburn is producing so many draft picks, there's so much turnover over and over again. And it hasn't changed. It has been the same stagnation over and over again. And the thing is, is that, again, this is not a complete failure by the coaching staff because they have coached a brilliant defense, and they have recruited well enough that they just have the talent to beat teams. Like, what happened... In the final minutes yesterday was a combination of great defense and just the talent of Auburn being better than St. Louis. That, that I mean, watch, watch it. Watch the, the inexplicable takeover that they've done so many times before and understand that that is just because they have some stone-cold killers on this roster and some great, great players. And that's what you have. But again, where does Auburn go from here? Their non-con schedule is relatively easier I think, then, then of course, their conference schedule is. They're not playing in as tough a tournament as other teams. They're not playing, you know, North Carolina, Duke, and all those teams. I mean, look at it right now. I'll go through it. They're playing some toothpaste on Friday at Colgate. Then they've got a big week off until they play Memphis. Now, Memphis is a good basketball team, coached by Penny Hardaway. they got a lot of talent, but they have had some bad loss to St. Louis, one, and Seton Hall, another. So, that that is certainly, there, there's, that'll be an interesting game to see. Then Georgia State, USC, who is four and 4-3, who has not been really that great. They lost to the Florida Gulf Coast to start the year. And then just had tough losses to Wisconsin and Tennessee on Thursday and Friday. So you've got that. Then you've got Washington, who is... 5-1 and one in the Pac-12, their one loss being to California Baptist, and they just had an overtime win over St. Mary's. That team's a little up in the air. We're going to see what happens over these next weeks with them because they play Gonzaga on Friday, the, December 9th. And then conference play begins. Florida, Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, South Carolina, A&M. Then they travel to West Virginia. I'm excited to see how that game is going to unfold because Bob Huggins plays as aggressive a defensive style as any, and they just also beat Florida by 30. So that, that'll that be quite exciting to see how this Auburn offense goes against the challenge of one of the best defenses, scheme-wise, in all of college basketball. I mean, look at these numbers right now, ladies and gentlemen. West Virginia has given up 58, 56, 57, 58, 80, 71, and 55. That's incredible. And, that, and that, that's what they do under Bob Huggins. they play that way forever. Then you're going to get Georgia again at Tennessee, at AM versus Alabama, at Vanderbilt, at Kentucky, at Alabama, and then the murderers row at the end of Kentucky, Alabama, and then at home against Tennessee. Again, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a true challenge, and we're going to see which version of Auburn shows up. And I got a feeling it's going to be the same offense that has struggled so far this year. I don't know how much better they can get outside of the fact that if they start hitting their shots, then they'll be pretty good. But that's really their only hope right now. And we're going to go to a brief PSA break. You listen to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. I'll be right back after this with more discussions, this time on Hugh Freeze. Aye, aye, aye. are back live inside the bradley basin wegl studio this is compact discourse on FM.com and weagle91.1 fm and i'm joined by our program director logan logan joining the show hello hello thank you for joining apparently logan's got some inside scoop if you experienced a power outage last night it
1: was because a transformer blew up yep it exploded it sparks all across the street i just remember i was working drive-through at undisclosed chicken location and it was across the street from us and I used to remember everyone was like, yeah, Transformers exploded. We saw Spark go all the way down the street and all that stuff. And so, like, I think that's why, like, 160 was out of power. It was. For part of it. I know we were. I think the CVS across the street was. There was a good amount of things. It, like, out went power.
0: out. So we're, we're just watching. Me and my roommate and I were watching the Alabama versus um, UNC game on ESPN. And then it just cuts off. And we're like, uh, what? And then it clicked right back on, like, immediately.
1: Ours was out. Oh. All night. Yeah, because we, wow. right, we were right okay, by yeah, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And Alabama Power took the whole weekend off because of Thanksgiving. So, like, right. they were like, we saw trucks come out there, and then they left at 6 o'clock, and the power was not on. I'm like, that's not a good sign. Oh,
0: wow. That's great. Yeah, so our Wi-Fi went out for a second. But, yeah, it, like, went off and then came right back on. I know Megan was playing Lego Pirates of the Caribbean when the power went out at Shady Glen. So, unfortunately, she she lost, lost, her, lost, save. lost, her, lost her safe. She was trying to get True Pirate, man. It's a, it's a, it's a dangerous game when, was the like, tr- no. when the True Pirate's right. I mean, I, I want True Pirate. Who doesn't want True Jedi? Yeah. But, anyway... That's the power outage update, and we'll talk about the weather after this next PSA break. We're going to talk about Hugh Freeze now, Logan. I'm more on the Auburn Twitter than you are, but I'm sure you've oh, seen some of the madness. I've been, I've been on the Auburn Twitter. Now, I'm going to preface it with a couple of things. First and foremost, I'm not going to talk about whatever happened with Hugh Freeze with Lib- at Liberty. If you want to look at that, you can go fo- You can go look at. Let me see uh, what the person's name is on Twitter that's been tweeting about that. I just followed her. Chelsea Andrews on Twitter. If you want to understand what everybody's talking about with the Hugh Freeze DMing somebody on Twitter, you can go look at that because I am not equipped to talk about that. I don't know nearly enough about all that situation, and I couldn't begin to expand upon that. And again, let's leave that out, right, Logan? Let's pretend that that didn't happen with Hugh Freeze for a moment. Let's act like there weren't a million red flags with Hugh Freeze, even though there are. Let's just look at Hugh Freeze, the coach, because Lord Almighty, there are people just spreading what seems like myths on Twitter. They're talking about quarterback developer, (laughs) top-tier recruiter, a winner. Let's delve into some of those right now, because I got some numbers here, and you can certainly react to these as you will. So, let's talk about this quarterback developer, because everybody loves that little title since Gus Malzahn couldn't develop a quarterback, which is fair. Auburn fans, for lack of a better word, were kind of ruined by Gus Malzahn, because... After years of the same offense, it kind of drove people a little crazy, which yeah. I get. So, Hugh Freeze, the quarterback developer. So, Hugh Freeze, one, um, his main coaching experience is as follows. He was a high school coach at Briar Crest, then went to Ole Miss's Titans coach, went back to Lambeth, a private Methodist university for a year, went to Arkansas State as an offensive coordinator, Arkansas State as a coach for a year, Ole Miss for a few seasons, and is now at Liberty after taking three years off. So, His first quarterback, right? The great Bo Wallace. I'm sure you all have heard this name before. Sure, quarterback developer, maybe. Let's just run by the numbers here. Bo Wallace in his three seasons at Ole Miss, his freshman year, 22 touchdowns, 17 picks. Pretty good first year for a freshman quarterback. The next year, 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And then the next year after that, 22 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That doesn't sound like development to me. Sounds like stagnation, one could say. And even his completion percentage dipped, it went from 33, 63%, I mean, to 64%, down to 60%. So there you go. I don't really know about the idea that that quarterback was developed, right? Then you've got Chad Kelly. All right, the great Chad Kelly, I'm sure we all remember him. After a year at Clemson, he transferred to Ole Miss, took over from Wallace in the 2015 season. Had a pretty good first year. 65% completion percentage, 40. Or four thousand or four thousand yards. Excuse me, and then thirty-one touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Then the next year, okay, a little worse. Sixty-two percent complete percentage, twenty-seven hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. Kind of similar there, and he suffered an injury. Okay, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt there with Chad Kelly. Maybe he made Chad Kelly look competent. Mm-hmm. And then Shea Patterson did not pl- did not play much in the twenty sixteen year, and then obviously Hugh Freeze was gone after the twenty 20- 16 season because one he had a losing record and two he committed a thousand different recruiting violations so it seemed and gave Ole Miss a two-year postseason bowl ban mind you so let's let's keep going with that so then of course everybody points to I saw somebody say well if Hughes is a quarterback developer look at the Tennessee Titans roster because on the Tennessee Titans roster is Malik Willis we all we all remember him from Auburn uh was an Auburn backup for years and then transferred from the Plains now Willis himself said and said that he was lazy and unfocused at um, at yeah. Auburn and did not did not try as he should have, which is why he never got the starting job. So then he goes to Liberty, and in ten games in twenty twenty, he's pretty solid: sixty four completion percentage, twenty two hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, and six picks. And in the next year, eh, kind of the same: sixty one percent completion percentage, twenty eight hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, and twelve interceptions. He certainly developed Malik Willis in part, but Malik Willis himself also said that he just did not try as much as he should have at Auburn. And also, for what it's worth, that second year with Malik Willis, Liberty actually got worse in their their scheduling. They went from a 10-win season to an 8-win season. So quarterback developer, I don't see any miracles here like Steve Sarkeesian with Jalen Hurts and Tua Like, I'm not seeing a guy at Alabama who's coached multiple quarterbacks or a guy like Lane Kiffin at Alabama who had... Blake Sims and who had Jake Coker, who won with those quarterbacks, admittedly. Mm-hmm. So I don't see that with Hugh Freeze, right? And look, I know I'm talking a lot. Feel free to jump in at any point. Obviously, my thing is just most people
1: are like, "Oh, he beat." I mean, he beat know, Alabama, Alabama, which is like such a. He beat Alabama years ago with how many recruiting violations? Like, yeah, So that, that
0: that recruiting violation is exactly what we get to point number two. Is they talk about how Hugh is an amazing recruiter. Amazing recruiter, they say. And and look, we'll talk about this right now. So, the 2012 class, which was before Hugh got there, they were 48th in the country. And then the next year, his first year, they're the eighth recruiting class in the country. All right. And then you go to 2014, right? And I believe it was still top 10. Let me see. They were, okay, they were 17th in 2014. Then in 2015, they got back to, oh, oh no, 24 7 sports just crashed on me. What? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the website just crashed, so I'm gonna just give that up. But the point is, those were all pretty solid recruiting classes. But mind you, he cheated. Yeah. <laughs> Larry Tunsil said, "I got paid by one of the assistant coaches," and everybody's retort to that is, "Well, paying is legal now." And okay, let me let me put a hypothetical to you, Logan, and let me let me know if this sounds a little crazy. So imagine I'm a race car driver, right? It's me and and 14 guys racing, and we all have totally level playing field cars. Except my car has nitrous, so I use that, and I win sometimes. Because, mind you, they didn't win all the time at Ole Miss. They won sometimes. I win sometimes, and I beat the champion twice. (gasps) Oh, my gosh, guys, he beat the champion. And then I I retire, right? And then I come back to the sport, and nitrous is legal now, and everybody has it. Does that mean that I'm still going to beat everybody? No. No, Because the advantage is gone. Yep. He cheated. He cheated. They got hit with so many recruiting violations that they got a two-year postseason ban and
1: vacated twenty-five wins. Before the vacated wins too, he was only nineteen of twenty-one. Exactly. Exactly. Like so let's look at it right now. So he's six and twenty-one.
0: In in the SEC with the vacated wins, but even then, like okay, so a lot of people mentioned the 2014 year. That was the year that remember Ole Miss and Mississippi State were both undefeated. It was the craziest year, first year of the Coswell Playoff. They beat Alabama. So let's go look at this schedule right now. Okay, so yeah, they started the year seven and zero wins over Alabama, win over A and M, awesome. Then they lose to LSU seven to ten. They lose to Auburn. They beat Presbyterian. They lose to an Arkansas team that was six and seven, or seven and six. Excuse me. They were yeah, they were seven and six. You know, it's the same thing. Semantics, <laughs> semantics. And then they go in the in the Peach Bowl, play number six TCU, and lose forty two to three. That's his best year, by the way. Forty two to three loss TCU. And again, the recruiting violations are everywhere. He has a whole section on his Wikipedia page dedicated to the recruiting violations. So yeah. <laughs> He got good recruiting classes when he paid players, when his staff paid players. But everybody can do it now. Nick Saban can pay players now, and I believe that Nick Saban is a lot better recruiter than you, Brees. And again, Auburn is behind the eight ball. They have been lapped by Georgia. They have been lapped by Alabama. LSU might as well be lapping them right now. A M is caught up. Ole Miss is caught up. Texas and Oklahoma are coming with yep. gigantic budgets, by the way.
1: I mean, honestly, Arkansas is starting to get up there too. Because Sam Pittman is awesome. Yep. We all know this. There's not a weak link in the West. And and you want a guy that was a good recruiter
0: when he was I mean, violations are everywhere. Laramie Tunsell admitted taking money from one of Hugh Free's assistants. And mind you, even with this, in twenty seventeen he had a losing series season, period. Mm-hmm. They did not even with all that, they lost a lot in twenty in in uh twenty sixteen. That was the year. I mean, it's just I mean, he was, he was, Freeze was accused of not properly uh, controlling his program, and they were punished with, I mean, just, I mean, 27 vacated wins, 27 vacated wins, and even with that, they were still only 39 and 25 on the field, not not great, and sure, let's move on to Liberty, guys, right, let's talk about Liberty, um, he has one 10-win season and three 8-win seasons, in you know, in Brian Harson's first four years, he had. he had more double-digit wins at Boise State, mm-hmm. and Liberty is param- is is tantamount to Boise State. The comparisons are there. Liberty plays a bit of a tougher non-con because they're an independent, but the point stands. Mm-hmm. So what what is there? He beat Alabama twice. Well, guess who beat Alabama three times, guys? A little guy named Gus Malzahn. You want to hire him again? I'm just saying. And I I tweeted yesterday if the options are Cadillac or Hugh Freeze, yeah. You're picking Cadillac. But I'm you, picking Cadillac. I've
1: been talking a lot, Logan. What what other thoughts you got on that? I mean, the, we just examined is quite my a main bit. main thought. Go ahead. I don't, you know, I don't care about I do care about the stats, but I don't care about it that much. I care more about what he is as a person. Uh, you can if you look on Twitter, you'll find Again, out all I, the I, I mentioned that person beforehand. You'll figure it all out if you just go go look into it. But if we hire this is my decree, if we hire Hugh Freeze. I might not go to another game. A lot of people are saying it, man. And I might go to the Iron Bowl because it's the only opportunity I might have to go to the Iron Bowl, but I would not buy any other tickets to watch that football team led by him. He is, and again, even if you remove all that, all of the issues we have with him as a person,
0: he's still not a good enough coach. So that's what somebody said on Twitter, and I'll, I'll admit this. I don't want Urban Meyer either, but if the cho if like if you're gonna hire a guy with this much baggage, hire an Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban's won national championships, and I still don't want Urban Meyer because I think Urban Meyer's a bad person yes, too. me
1: neither. As but, someone who's had Urban Meyer, yeah, I don't want him. But
0: still, Hugh Freeze, it, like, where's the wins to justify being, you know, that? And again, people people do the apples and oranges comparison to Bruce Pearl. One is tantamount to a parking ticket. Uh, not really. Okay, so one is, I'll say what Bruce Pearl did is you got a parking ticket and you lied way too much about it and ran from the police. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Still, what Bruce did at Tennessee, not good. But then the other is prostitution. <laughs> Literally. yeah. We didn't even talk about that. We did not talk about that because there's so much to unpack. But I want to do examples because people keep saying, forget this because he's done this. But he hasn't. He His recruiting is not there. His winning is not there. Nope. His quarterback developing what? Two guys that were okay, and Malik Willis, who admitted
1: himself that he play he just tried harder at Liberty. My thing is, if you want to look, I don't like Dan Mullen, but if you want a quarterback developer. Dan Mullen's a better quarterback developer than Hugh Freeze is, no doubt about that. Again, if you're gonna get a guy that is Gus Malzahn like
0: in coaching, why are you gonna get Hugh Freeze and not somebody else? But that'll end our Hugh Freeze discussion here on Compact Discourse. We'll be back right after this. I was going to wait for the uh, switch part because we're running out of time and I got a lot of stuff to talk about. So, switch. Is that on this one? Yeah, no. that's on oh, this Oh, yeah, game. I guess it is. I don't remember. Anyway, one last thing before we go talk about some Thanksgiving food. So Josh Vitale, who was a former Montgomery advertiser, beat writer for Auburn, posted this. Coach A, five years at the SEC, a winning percentage against Power 5 opponents of 48% and an average recruiting class rank of 19. Coach B, seven years as an SEC head coach, a winning percentage against Power 5 of 56%, and an average recruiting class of ranking of 10. Coach A is Hugh Freeze. Coach B is Gus Malzahn. So, again. It's not even a lateral move. It, it's a it, downgrade. It, it, it is a da- it is a lateral. It is a upward move from Brian Harzen, but It is a downgrade from where Auburn was at the end of the 2020 season. But, anyway, forget all this. Let it all go. We got things to be thankful for. Logan, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was good. Got to go home for a day, work the rest of the Thanksgiving. So, I was up here a lot. Tragic. No, I was kind of happy with it. Oh, making bank though. I was. Well, I was at an undisclosed chicken restaurant. The power went out. Oh I yeah, that, you know,
0: you know, you you were on a hot streak, and then and then the yeah, power know, just goes right? out of there. Now we got to talk about favorite Thanksgiving dish. What is it? Mac and cheese. <laughs> mac and
1: cheese. Interesting. I'm a big mac and cheese guy. We
0: had two mac and cheese at our Thanksgiving. One was a butternut squash mac and cheese, and the other was a smoked Gouda mac and cheese with chorizo. Don't get me started.
1: I haven't eaten anything. You gonna make <laughs> oh 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 you gotta
0: go to Abon Pain and get yourself like a muffin or something. I don't
1: my, know. I'm I'm gonna get my my uh, 11 o'clock bagel is what I do every day.
0: I always get the the avocado toast bagel from uh, Einstein Bros Bagels. So good. I love that stuff. Now nah, my 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 favorite thing is still always the, I love the turkey man. Yeah. Do, y- do y'all fry the turkey? Yeah, we fried the turkey. We actually Excellent.
1: fried four turkeys this year. We didn't get you four. Them. We used two, and then two of them we gave it to a neighbor, and then like somebody else.
0: Good so. lord, we only ever fry one.
1: Yeah, but how many people are you feeding? Okay, yeah, ours our Thanksgiving this year was like uh, was twelve. We were feeding like twenty something. Okay, people. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We had like. Our family, and then like my cousins, in laws, and other like okay. probably. Even
0: though we still have the double proteins, we have a ham oh, accompanying yeah. our turkey. I don't. No. I don't
1: know if we had. A, I don't think we had a ham.
0: No, we had some new ones issues on Some Brussels sprout casserole. That was interesting. It was like green bean casserole, but replace it with Brussels sprouts. If you like Brussels sprouts, you'd like it. If you don't, eh, probably
1: yeah, probably not. Yeah,
0: probably not. But then, okay, then moving on to that. Then what's the most overrated of the Thanksgiving? What's the one that everybody talks about that you're just like that's gross?
1: I gotta think about this one. Do you give your answer?
0: Sweet potato casserole. Really? Why are you putting... I like sweet potatoes. Why are you covering them marshmallows?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't vibe
0: with that at all. I, I like. I, I no. Also, I don't. I think baked turkeys are pretty bad. But you know, that probably be mine. I like yeah.
1: fried turkey. I don't like, like
0: baked turkey. the baked turkey. Dries it out. The fried turkey, the juices are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, we got some bad juju this year because. I've, all, I've been talking smack to anybody that would hear that doesn't fry a turkey that they're doing Thanksgiving wrong, and then this was our worst fried turkey we've ever had, so well. it, it was clearly karma in the, face of, in the face of all the times I was talking smack. But the point stands. Fried turkey is vastly superior. If you haven't done it, of course, most people don't want to do it because it is dangerous, and people do it wrong, and, well, you know. The key is
1: de-thaw the turkey. <laughs> if the turkey is wet, don't. don't put it in there. Nobody learns these days do that. I mean, the good thing is I do know how to fry pretty well. So, indeed,
0: indeed, as as do I, because I've got my dad to expand to doing it also on Christmas.
1: Oh yeah. See. Hey, this is the good thing. You get to talk about Thanksgiving, and then on my final episode tomorrow, I talk about Christmas. So,
0: exactly. It all. It's all. It's a perfect bridge. Now it all we. Comes well, actually, speaking of Christmas, the first time I, I, I for years I was like, Dad, we should fry turkey on on Christmas. It's so good. Why don't we do it twice a year instead of once a year? Because it's good food, and we did but the first Christmas we did was the year there were the tornadoes on Christmas Day in Mobile. So my dad and I were on the front porch frying a turkey while we heard a tornado like two, two roads <laughs> down, and we're like, oh, uh, guys? And then, of course, so it was such a crazy night, and we injected the turkey with, like, this light seasoning, so when we took the turkey out, it looked uncooked. Oh. Like, it was, like, still, like, it wasn't, like, golden brown. It was still, like, light, and we're like, uh, is our first turkey going to be raw? Of course it was delicious, either way. But for a moment there, <laughs> I was concerned downright scared what a thing that was a crazy shivering that was a crazy christmas man we because some of our family who was coming to christmas later that day went downtown to the movies and were like uh, did they did they get sucked up by the nader <laughs> I, I didn't know i didn't know anywho well i don't even know what else to talk about for these final two minutes i know you got to head out of here logan i'm about to hey, i'm about to skedaddle you got to see me rocky run that's fair oh, oh good lord play some music on your headphones that's to get the fair. rocky music going oh uh, Oh yeah, I'm about to say I like I like the cut. Or, I'm about to say it's not a haircut though, is it? It's a haircut. Oh, it is a haircut. Okay, I th- I thought hey, it was I shorter. I hair like you last time before the break. Okay, hey, hey, what do you mean like me? My Hey, for the Look, I got a face for I got a face for radio, but I got hair for TV, okay? That's all I'm gonna say about that. Anyway, I'll see you, Logan. Um So anyway, I mean, guys, all I'm gonna say is I got I got a minute left. What is there to talk about? I don't know. I don't really know. But the issue is Auburn football is probably going to name a coach within this next week. And I'll be back next Monday to talk about it because as I always will, and this is one of my last episodes for this semester. And then of course, next semester will be my final semester on Auburn's campus. So I just want to thank everybody who's been tuning in the, these past years, I guess of my time at Weagle, and we'll be tuning in again next Monday, even though it's exam week, I'll still be here because exams, no exams. Auburn always gives us something to talk about, don't they? And with that, I want to thank you all for joining me here on Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and in case you don't see afterwards, happy holidays to you all, and I will see whoever joins me next Monday for more Compact Discourse here on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com.